Welcome to the State Historical Society of North Dakota's podcast. In this episode, we will venture to the Chateau de Mores State Historic Site for a History Alive performance of the Marquis de Mores, portrayed by Mike McNeil. Situated in the rugged Badlands, visitors are invited to sit on the porch of the 26-room hunting lodge and summer home of the Marquis and share a brief glimpse into his life. Bonjour, madame. Bonjour. Bonjour, monsieur. Madame, bonjour. Monsieur, bonjour. Pardon ma tardiness, s'il vous plaît. I was perfecting a swordplay maneuver with my personal secretary, Van Driesch. You see, I am preparing for an exhibition this evening with monsieur Pierre Quibon, a fellow countryman with a fine ranch in Montana Territory. Ah. Merwi. It is a bonard fencing, eh? The one that has served me well in the circles of gentlemen abroad. Well, I can tell you, Van Driesch is most fortunate to have received only the smallest of scratches. Ha! You see, during our practice, we discuss the closeness of the Bastille Day celebrations in France. Bah! I mean, the very thought of it makes my blood boil. Bastille Day is rather like your American Independence Day, eh? but in France. It marks the end of the monarchy and the rise of a republic. If France is ever to regain her proper respect and position in the world, she must again see a king return to their throne. Oh, pardon. Uh, perhaps it is rude of me to discuss French politics with you on such a day. Eh? Or perhaps you are here because you have heard the recent rumors about the closing of the abitoire. Perhaps you have also heard that my exquisite Marquesa and I are planning to leave Dakota. Huh? Ah, I see I am correct. Well, you are correct to come to the authority. These rumors are put about by the Beef Trust in Chicago and my enemies in Dakota. These men hope to damage my reputation and destroy my many successful enterprises. Ha! C'est impossible. Three years ago, the train stopped in Little Missouri. And Van Driesch and I stepped down into a uh, dilapidated cantonment. The train depot itself was barely more than a shack. Pyramid Park Hotel. <laughs> if you can call an establishment with 14 camp cots in a single room, a hotel. Several saloons, a general store, several residences. Most of which were nothing more than mega shacks or huts. Well, no wonder the local people called this place Little Misery. <laughs> well, not willing to risk the hotel conditions. Van Driesch and I decided to camp on the east side of the river. Ah, we traveled well, Van Driesch and I. We came prepared for frontier conditions. With sturdy tents, rugged gear, and of course, good wine, huh? Now, once the camp was set, and I had surveyed the wondrous possibilities, 
I had Van Driesch bring out a bottle of wine. Van Driesch, I said, we will locate here. I will build a town here named for my beautiful wife. And with that, I splintered the bottle of wine over the tent pig, christening the site forever. Medora. Ah, what a moment. Well, you may have read of it in the papers. My dreams of enterprise and a cattle empire were about to come true. How it becomes the richest financier in the world, surpassing all. I must begin at once to draw plans for the building of the abattoir and the hunting lodge. All things must be in readiness for the arrival of my wife after the birth of our first child. Ah, the Marquesa. You have seen my wife, huh? She is beautiful, is she not? Five years ago, we met in Paris. Ah, romantics with color knitting, a coup de food. I was thunderstruck at seeing her. Ah, she was shy, almost fragile in appearance. But I saw that Titian hair and knew that so much fire on her head surely meant there was fire in her heart. Of course, I was correct. Never have I known a woman with such passion for life and so little fear. Ours is a match made by the angels. Ah, pardon. Perhaps I dwell on things of small importance to you. My reasons for coming to Dakota are simple. I wish to be as far from civilization as possible. And I intend on becoming the richest financier in the world. Now, what can compare with our beautiful skies? It is a good life in Dakota. Now, we have good health due to the European-like climate. We have all the comforts of the city without the confines. But it was not always so peaceful here. Ah, mais non. No, three years ago, there was no law, no order. But when I participated in the Cattlemen's Association, I had to accept the responsibility to bring justice to the frontier. We were much plagued by rustlers and took action against them. Within my first six months in Dakota, I was shot at 18 times. Well, you may have read some of the stories. A most regrettable incident occurred during my first summer in Dakota. I had brought in cattle and had begun fencing my land. A common practice in Europe and the eastern states, but an unforgivable sin here. Several men freely expressed their opinions about my fences. Frank O'Donnell threatened to shoot me on sight because of them. He and his partners, Dutch one again, in Raleigh Lafsey, engaged in what you call the uh, scare tactics. I am not easily frightened. However, after being shot at on several occasions, both on the range and at my hunting lodge, I decided to seek the counsel of Justice Bateman in Mandan. As the good justice told me to shoot when necessary to defend myself. I then telegraphed Sheriff Harmon to come from Mandan by train. Huh. The sheriff's brother arrived with a uh, small posse and found O'Donnell drunk and defiant with his partners at hand. Well, I was prepared for trouble. 
and took three of my men to watch the trail west of town. When O'Donnell won again and Lefty approached, I stepped from behind their brush and signaled them to halt. They answered with gunfire. Was I to be uh, shot down like a dog? Oh, may no. A man must defend himself at all costs. I had no choice but to order my men to defend themselves. When a quarter of an hour, where the shooting stopped, and Love Sea lay dead. My enemies called it murder, and used every means possible to see me hanged for it. O'Donnell and one again were turned over to the sheriff and jailed in man down for assaulting me and also for their role in Lofsey's death. My men and I had nothing to hide, and he appeared before Justice Bateman in Mandan. Knowing of the repeated attempts against my life, the justice cleared me of all wrongdoing. Then, Greg Lang, a man who repeatedly refused my affairs of friendship, Greg Lang set up a second hearing with the justice of the peace who had been a friend of Monsieur Lofsey. And he was a fellow Irishman to boot. <laughs> However, I was once again clear. Monsieur Lang secured the services of a prosecutor named Campbell. Bah! Campbell is a dandy with no sense of honor. And a man who is lucky to be alive. In this trial, where one would hope to be treated... Uh, Fairly and with justice for all. In this trial, Campbell slandered me, saying I had married my wife to have a fat and easy time of her money. Well, how could I let any man live or say such things? That night I saw him in the hotel. I drew my revolver and pulled the trigger. Had not one of my companions struck my gun arm, that shot would not have gone high. Your papers would have made a story of that, huh? One year later, I saw the scoundrel in St. Paul. He approached to shake my hand. Campbell, I said, how dare you speak to me? I give you just one minute to get out of that door. And I don't want you to speak one word while you do so! Well, I haven't heard from him since. I never forget an insult. Well, after the second hearing, I was relieved to return to Medora to begin the supervision on the building of the abitoire and the hunting lodge of Summer Home. In early October, just six months after Van Driesch and I stepped off the train in Little Missouri, the abitoire was complete and we were shipping beef. An amazing feat. Fortunately, my troubles over the trial were not yet over. Just last summer, Greg Lang, Dutch one again, and Joe Ferris pushed for a trial. A grand jury indicted me, and I was forced to stand trial for the murder of Monsieur Lafsey. After two hearings, that cleared me of all wrongdoing. Well, you are intelligent people, huh? You can clearly see the injustice I have suffered 
in order to gratify my enemy's spite, malice, and avarice. Unfortunately, the jury was also intelligent. And after a mere 10 minutes of deliberation, they set me free. Well, except for a trip to France with the Marquesa to visit my ailing mama, I have been busy with my enterprise. No, no, I do not intend to remove my interest from Dakota. The Marquesa and I are happy in Dakota. We have come to stay. But there's evidence all around you of these facts. Just two years ago, I built a home in Medora for my father-in-law, the Baron von Hoffmann. He frequently comes from New York to oversee his interests. He is an international banker with an office on Wall Street and a great benefactor of my Dakota interests. As for the closing of the abitoire, or as you Americans would call it, the packing plant, it is true that some setbacks have caused this slaughtering to cease from time to time. But just one year ago, in 1885, we built new facilities in anticipation of this season and are very optimistic of the prospects. For the cattle are in splendid condition. Splendid. As fit for butchering as any stock cattle in this country. As the refrigerator cars are in place. And I see no reason why we should not be slaughtering at the full capacity of 150 beefs per day within two weeks. Oh, madame et monsieur, I see you have the look of the skeptic. Eh? Well, have you not read the words of A.T. Packard in the Badlands Cowboy? Have you not seen the activity in the town? Oh, I assure you, the Northern Pacific Refrigerator Car Company is in sound financial condition. My plans to revolutionize the cattle industry are entirely visible. Well, I do not merely think this. I know. I have a natural intuition. And my intuition does not lie. It takes me only a few seconds to understand a situation that other men have to puzzle over for hours. I seem to see every side of a question at once. I am gifted in this way. I have wonderful insight in this. I know that dressing the beef on the range and shipping it to the east is the future of the beef industry. Why should anyone wish to continue to ship live cattle, huh? Well, live cattle do not ship well. They lose weight. They jostling and pushing and the lots and cars bruises their flesh. If Monsieur Swift and Amour find it not only possible, but also more profitable to ship dressed beef from Chicago to the east, then why not slaughter and ship the beef from Dakota Territory? Well, anyone who looks can see this country has many advantages. Limitless grazing range. Natural shelter for the cattle. Excellent rail facility. Plenty of water and ice and an abundance of lignite coal for fuel. 
I will not have merely a cattle enterprise, Dakota. I will have a cattle empire, Dakota. And Medora, this town name for my beautiful wife, will be the center of the Badlands. Do you know that working class families cannot enjoy a joint of fresh beef with their Sunday dinner? It is too dear for their purses. They exist on cured meat. I will eliminate the middleman, and the American workers will benefit. Indeed, everyone will benefit, myself included. Now, we have been on the losing end of the beef monopoly for too long. As things stand now, Western cattlemen are shipping live cattle to Chicago for slaughter, then paying to have the meat shipped back to the very range from whence it came. Ridiculous. It is a crime to allow the beef trust to continue in this fashion. The beef trust is mired in the past. The men in charge do not have my vision, my ability to grasp the whole of the situation. But these men are more concerned with their balance sheets than with their future. I say we must continually move forward, always with an eye on the future. I have several retail shops in New York City for the purpose of selling fresh Western beef. I have negotiated a deal with members of the Montana Stock Growers Association to purchase 18,000 head of cattle. I have built cold storage facilities and ice houses all along the Northern Pacific route. I expect to sell the entire crop of Dakota and Montana beef each year. Soon I will have 300 to 400 retail shops operating in the East. This enterprise will be a success. There can scarcely be a doubt. Just look out here. Très magnifique. It is endless. The opportunities of Dakota are as limitless as the land. Just downstream from this porch, I have plotted out an immense garden where I plan to grow vegetables to also ship to the east. I have bought fine horses to breed and sell. I have wheat land near Bismarck, which I intend to divide at least to farmers. Oh, I see some of you have read of this. You've come to arrange a contract with me. I envision tanneries, soap and glue factories. Hornworks. Did you know Medora is home to a vein of kaolin? Hmm? It is the finest pottery clay in the world. Well, I will open a pottery works here in the near future. I have shipped salmon from Oregon. And for over a year, ran a stage line between Medora and Deadwood. Ah, yes, the stage line was a brilliant idea. It never should have failed. You see, there was much travel between the Black Hills and Dakota because of the gold, but no adequate route on which to get there. Midora is a perfect starting point. Anyone with vision could see this. Huh? Well, some said the route between Midora and Deadwood was unacceptable for a stage of freight line. Ha! I tell you, I know to be as good a wagon road as could be desired. 
with plenty of water and grass. And at no point is there any considerable obstacle to overcome. Well, indeed, it is a natural highway. Well, the line enjoyed much success in the beginning. The stages ran on time, and only one accident was reported the entire time we were in operation. <clears throat> it would have continued to be a success had it not been for this scurrilous Fargo freight forwarder B.T. Bramble and some unscrupulous merchants in Dickinson who wanted the rough for their city. I had negotiated shipping rates and had firm commitments from merchants in Deadwood. Monsieur Bramble, who claimed to be working in the interests of these merchants, instead betrayed them, seeking financial gain for himself. Understand, I refused to pay him blood money to keep the route in Midora. He became openly hostile to me and began promoting a route from Dickinson. When I get in a fight, it is generally to win. I will spend no money for a stage line that will benefit Monsieur Bramble. <clears throat> Pardon. This was two years ago and no longer matters. The stage business brought more people here. And Midora has prospered. But today we have a church and a school. Thanks to my dear Marquesa. More than 300 people live here. And we have stores, hotels, cafes, a livery stable, a skating rink. Hmm? We have a coal mine in operation. And have begun a brick-making plant. And many other enterprises to make life more productive as well as pleasant. You see now that you are in Midora. The stories you have read in the newspapers are but stories put about to sell those papers. The reporters buzz about me like flies wherever I go. Then change their stories to suit the editors. In Bismarck and Miles City, they are saying I have sold out to Philip Armour. Ha! I will bury Monsieur Armour. And Swift. Now we can ship our beef to New York in seven days. The Beef Trust in Chicago and other parts had better look at their own business before I swallow them. Now we have many guests at our hunting lodge. They come to see my success with the cattle enterprise. They come from Europe and England and the eastern states and as far away as Russia. I show them my magnificent habitoire and the glories of our growing town. They are astounded at my enterprise and beg to become partners. When they have seen all there is of the business, I take them hunting in the great North American West. Ah, hunting is a great pleasure to both my petite Marquesa and I. Her blood craves the excitement of the hunt. She shows no fear or hesitation in the field. Well, the stories of the abundance of game is one of the things that brought us to Dakota rather than some other area of the West. Ah, the sight of Mont Chari galloping across the landscape is one of my delights.
Well, she is an expert with the firearm. We, oui, it is true, she is a better shot than I. But together we supply much game for our guest dining pleasure. From prairie chickens, shot on the wing, to deer, elk, sometimes bear. We can hunt for a few wild wares or make an expedition last several days or weeks. Whatever our pleasure or the pleasure of our guests. Now, I am an excellent marksman, but sometimes the shooting game becomes rather dull. One loses the thrill and excitement of the chase. Monsieur, you understand? I needed more of a challenge. I devised a plan to bring down a bear with only my knife. Ha! Oh, pardon. Perhaps this is not a tale for the ladies present. But if you are interested in investing in my enterprise, perhaps we shall have a dinner and I shall show you some of our trophies. Oh, you may recall I mentioned there is a gathering at my home this evening. I regret the invitations have already been extended. But if you're out and about in the town, you may see some of Medora's most prominent citizens make their way to the crossings this afternoon. Monsieur Huibo and A.T. Packard, the editor of Medora's newspaper, will be joining us. Ah, Mr. Packard is a fine man, endowed with considerable courage and a strong sense of public service. He managed my stage line for a time and is an enthusiastic promoter of the cattle business in this area. Well, you may not believe it, but he's also quite a pitcher and has organized many baseball games, much to the delight of our citizens. Oh, Monsieur Theodore Roosevelt will also be joining us. Oh, I see. You have heard of him, huh? Have you also heard the exaggerated stories the Eastern press has written about us? Well, if you would believe their writing, you would think we were continually on the verge of crossing swords. Ah, may not. There was never any threat of a duel. Many of those stories grew from the lofty incident. Understand that Lang and Ferris are acquaintances of Monsieur Roosevelt. One again is one of his rash hands. During the trial for my jail cell, I questioned Monsieur Roosevelt's uh, sincerity of friendship. He reassured me completely of his respect for me. Monsieur Roosevelt is an honorable man. I know he had nothing to do with the actions of these men. I myself vouch for him when he joins the Montana Stock Growers Association. We have ridden and worked together to stamp out cattle rustling in the area. We did not support the vigilante action of rounding up the rustlers and lynching them on the spot. This is not justice. Now, Monsieur Roosevelt is a good man. He is an amiable dinner companion than a competent rancher. Mr. Packer believes he may become president one day. Well, 
Sadly, you cannot say I have lived a life on a bed of roses since coming to Dakota. But the range fights are over, and I see a bright future for our town of Medora. To encourage continued immigration, I have promised each settler with 40 acres of tilled land with crops sun upon it, so that he may get a good start from his first year. Well, you see how I benefit both the poor man as well as myself. But of course, this is the obligation of men such as I. My mama taught me this. She said, Antoine, birth confers no privileges on you. It gives you great responsibility to protect and assist those who are less fortunate. I have always tried to live up to her charge. Ah, mais oui. I like the life here. It is a good place to raise a family. Our children, Atene and Louis, thrive when they are in Midora. You would do well to move your families here as well. There are fortunes to be made. And I intend to stay until mine is secure. No matter what actions my enemies take, I shall not give up. I shall become the richest financier in the world. If at some point I should return to France, perhaps I shall be king. <laughs> Merci. Merci. Merci.